hey, um, how do you help somebody when they're hurt? Uh, let's, let's, let me give you some help on this, all right? Now, first of all, here, here's what I would do. Uh, somebody that you love is hurt, or, uh, and somebody you love is always going to get hurt. Um, it doesn't even matter if we were in the, even in the church people get hurt, right? Even if you were in the best church ever, it would be a, a great church with people who are believers who still have that downward tug, and they're going to they're gonna hurt each other. You're, you, in the best marriage, you would hurt each other, especially because, you know, you're so, you, you have such high expectations for that other person. They're going to hurt you. Your kids are going to hurt you, and they're going to get hurt. I mean, it's just you're going to get hurt in this world. You're not going to get through this world without getting hurt, right? So we just know that's true. Now, so here's the first thing you do when you want to help somebody. You hear that they're hurt, and you listen to them for a while. You empathize with them, of course. You, know, you don't just, but then, especially if you, what I, what I often will do is, that, like, could I talk with you, or could we sit down, and maybe I can help you. Or maybe you take your child out for breakfast, and you let them talk, and you say, what can I do to help you? Okay, so here's the first thing. First thing to do is this. Ask them, say this, are, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, we're going to assume they are, okay? If not, that's the first thing you need to do is lead them into being a follower of Jesus Christ. But let's assume that you're talking to a, a Christian that's hurt, all right? And you say to them, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you, and, and a lot of times I'll follow that up and they'll say yes. And I'll say, do you love him? And they'll say, yeah, I love him. And I'll say, do you admire him? And they'll say, I admire him. I said, do you, do you love his teaching? And yes. And do you take his advice? And they'll say yes. And then maybe I'll even say, if he were to come into the room today, and if he were to sit across from us, and if he were to tell you what to do, would you do it? You know. And they will usually say yes. Now, then I'll oftentimes I'll say to them, do you, do you have a Bible? Yeah, okay, why don't you go get your Bible? Because I want to show you something that Jesus said to do when you get hurt. And they'll go get their Bible, and I'll, say, I'll tell them to open their Bible. And before I do that, before, before I tell them where to open their Bible, I'll, I'll say another thing. I'll tell them, you know, when, when Jesus was in, in the world, when he was walking through Galilee, this beautiful northern region of Israel with his disciples, one time he, w- he would say to them, if you want to follow me, it's not going to be easy. But he had a special poetic way of saying that. What was it that. How did Jesus put that? How did he, when Jesus was telling his disciples, it's not going to be easy to follow me, he had this like, Scah. I have a granddaughter who doesn't say too many words, but if she sees something scary, she says, keepy. Which is like creepy without an R, because she's little. Keepy. And if Jesus told you this, you would go, oh, that's creepy. He said, if you want to follow me, you said it, you said it, you have to take up your cross. Yeah, follow me. And in one place in Luke it says, take up your cross daily. That's, that's, it's one thing to say take up your cross. That, to them, they, you know, when you and I think cross, what do we think? Quick, cross, Jesus, crucifixion. Not them, right? What do they just think? Because they thought Roman crucifixion. They didn't think Jesus' crucifixion. Even though he handed it that, even though he specifically told them, it was clear they didn't get it. So when he said take up your cross, they didn't think of Calvary. They just thought of the cruel, uh, sadistic, 
horror of Roman torture and crucifixion. It would make them shudder. He says, you want to follow me? Basically what he was saying is, it's going to hurt. When you follow me, it's going to be through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, so number one, you say to them, are you a follower of Jesus? And they say yes. And then the, where you're going with that then is to say, you've gotten committed, they're committed, that they've devoted themselves to Christ, they have consecrated their body to God, they belong to the Lord, and they're a follower of Jesus, and you've established now that Jesus said, if you follow me, people are going to hurt you. Am I right? Of course, that's true. All right, so, just, so you're telling them this is not something that's abnormal, this is not something you should be shocked by, this is something you should have expected. It's not something we wig out over. This is not something we stop following Jesus over. This is not something we sin ourselves over, right? It's just we should have expected that we were going to get hurt. All right, so that's the kind of the second thing that I will, I will tell folks. I will tell them that kind of hurt is a part of the program. Now, how you respond to hurt, and I've mentioned this before, but the, kind of like what separates the men from the boys or what separates victorious Christians or flourishing Christians from defeated Christians is not, you know, happy people are people who never got hurt, and sad people are people that got hurt. That's not right, is it? No. It's how did you respond to the hurt? Because if you just tell me any hurt, I can tell you somebody who's had that hurt, and they live with victory. They live with spiritual flourishing, and they've had that hurt. They've been through the Nazi prison camp, or you see the guy that goes around and speaks at schools? And he doesn't have any arms or legs. Doesn't have, you see this guy? This is a tr- tremendous guy. I think that'd be a good reason not to be happy. No arms and legs. The difference is internal. It's like how you respond to hurt. And so Jesus gives really specific directions about how to respond to hurt. And the real issue is not do we know what to do when we're hurt. The real issue is Will we follow Jesus when we get hurt, or will we not follow Jesus? Will we do what he said, or will we not do what he said? Are we really a follower of Jesus? That's what it really amounts to. Are you really going to follow Jesus? That's what it really amounts to. So, so you tell the person that you're helping your child or, or a friend or whoever it is, you're a follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus get hurt like Jesus got hurt, Okay. And then challenge them to follow the commands of Christ about what to do when you get hurt. Where are we going to find these? Anybody want to guess? Where would you take somebody to show them in the Bible what Jesus said to do when people curse you? Who said it? Somebody back there said. When people curse you, when people do evil to you, when they despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's, yeah, we're, we're getting close. We're, tell me, somebody tell me. Yeah. Pray for them. Exactly. That's what he said. Where is this? In what teaching is this found? I'm a follower of Jesus, but that part I don't do. Are you kidding me? And when Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recorded the basic teaching of Jesus, this is where he started. How do you treat people who hurt you? Okay, And he gives three things that are so clear. It's amazing, simple, and clear. I'm going to give them to you tonight. And this is what you want to do when somebody you love is hurt. What you tend to do is say to them, what did they do to you? Well, they're my enemy too. Let's talk. If they were mean to us, we'll be mean to them. If they said something bad about us, we'll say something bad about them. 
if they do something bad to us, we're going to dial it up. We're going to make them wish they'd never done it. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys, man. We're going after them. They won't mess with us. <laughs> but there's nothing in the Bible that says that, right? The follower of Jesus, though, says, Jesus, what would you do? So if Jesus was sitting in the room, you might say to him, what do you want me to do with this hurt? And then he might say to you, did you read my book? And then you're going to go, yes, sir, I read your book. Well, what did I say? Remember the Sermon on the Mount? What did I say to do? When somebody curses you, you... Yeah. So the first thing you want to teach the person is if somebody... And you, a lot of times hurt starts with somebody says something bad to me or about me, right? So what? that's a curse. A curse... It, it, the worst curse is go to perdition, right? I mean, it's like to say, may your life end in hell. Damnation. That's the worst curse is to forecast the worst possible future for the person. And a blessing is the opposite of a curse. It's to forecast the best possible future for a person, right? Curse you means go to hell, you know, forever. And bless you would mean Find yourself in the heart of the mercy and the love of God and live forever with him and may your future be bright and good. So when somebody says something bad about you, they might have told you, die and go to hell forever. They might have just said to you something else that was mean, right? But it was a curse. They said something bad to you or about you. So you say to this child of yours or this friend of yours or whoever you're helping through hurt, if somebody curses you, what do you do? You got to get them to talk back to you. You can't help them if they won't talk back. So if somebody curses you, you're going to, when Jesus, I really can't believe you don't know this. Are you, come and work with me. I'm going to ask you to talk with me and let's work together. It's Wednesday night, okay? Just make it dialogical. Let's pretend we're the African-American church for a while here. Right? We, don't, we need a ham and organ to make this work probably, but let's pretend. Okay, so, okay. So, so, so if somebody curses you, Jesus says, thank you. I heard that. Yeah, bless them. That's, how simple is that, right? In other words, if they say something bad about you or to you, you say something good about them or to them, right? How simple? Is that simple? Does anybody not understand that? So every once in a while, somebody says, I need deeper teaching. Usually not. Usually they, need, <laughs> they don't need to, none of us really need, it's nice to have deeper teaching, you know, it kind of puffs us up and we can, you know, we can kind of arm wrestle other people in our theology and we can beat them and feel good about ourselves. But really, it's going back to doing the basic stuff that Jesus said that most Christians get stuck on. Like when somebody says something bad to them or about them. Now, what is a blessing? Let's talk about that just a little bit. We'll move on to the other two things. This is, by the way, in Matthew 5.44. Look it up in the Bible. Matthew 5.44. Love your enemies, he's saying. How do you love your enemies? This is the people who hurt you, right? Number one. Bless the, the, number one is bless, bless those who curse you, okay? That's number one. Bless, say, they say something bad to you or about you, you say something good to or about them. Now, how do you bless? There's some elements of a blessing in the Bible that are kind of neat. Um, as we mentioned, you know, there's that ironic blessing in Numbers chapter 6, and the elements of blessing are in that. By the way, I think it's um, Gary Smalley and, and, and John Trent have written a nice book called The Blessing in which they go through the Bible and they isolate the elements of blessing. If you want to really be the kind of person that people love to see you coming, learn to be a blessing. People will love to see you coming. Wouldn't it be horrible if people were like, oh, here comes Pierpont. Let's try to find a different way so we don't have to talk to him. But, or, or what if they, they're kind of like, that guy always has a good word for me. Hey, hey, I always want to be around that guy. He's an encouragement. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good? 
And so here, you know, like in, in here's what it says in Numbers 6.22. Lord said to Moses, say, he said, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. God says to Moses, I want you to tell Aaron and his sons that the way they're going to empower Israel for a bright future is to bless them. And here's how I want you to bless them. And here's the wording he uses. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. He's calling on the Lord to do good to them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. And so um, it, there are elements of blessing. Let me give you a few. There are others, but here's two or three of them that make what was it makes a blessing really powerful. One of the things is use the name of God. You know, you're putting God's name on them. You're, you, you know, it's, you want to be very careful how you use the name of God, right? The third commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That means don't go around saying, well, God told me this, God told me that. Like, shut up for a minute. Are you sure God told you that? You ever have people do that? They're always like, God told me that. I'm like, if he was in the room, would you be talking? I mean, if he's physically in the room, would you be talking like that? Be careful. You know, tr- temperate. Say, I feel like the Lord led me. <laughs> Don't say, I mean, if 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 you're ready to go, but it might be taking the Lord's name in vain. Hey, you want to come over to the party? Oh, the Lord's not going to let me do that. Don't tell that God didn't let you do that. Just take responsibility yourself. You ever have people that do that? They're just irritating. Don't, that's taking the Lord's name in vain or swearing with the Lord's name, taking the Lord's name in vain or praying and going, slurring at the end of your name and praying. Amen. Don't pray like that. Don't ever pray like that. You're taking the name of of the one true God on your lips, never say that without thought. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. But when you're going to bless somebody, you're going to use the name of God, and you have every right to do that. And he wants you to, to bless them. You know it's right, so you say to them in the name of God. And you might pick one of the names of God that corresponds with whatever need they have. Or you just use the name of the Lord Jesus or whatever. But you, that's one of the things that makes a blessing powerful is you're going to use God's name. You know, right when you're out there, that's why people cur- It's when you use God's name, it's like everybody's like, huh. You know, when we have a wedding here, we stand up and we say, we're going to call on God to witness the exchange of vows today. And everybody goes, this is serious business, right? And so when you're going to bless somebody, you're going to say, I got something to tell you, and this is in the Lord's name. That's one thing that makes a blessing powerful. The second thing that makes a blessing powerful is your words. Your words are powerful, right? The Bible says in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's powerful. Your words are powerful. I can still remember curses that people have put on me, and I can still remember blessings. And I'm sure that they don't remember them, but I remember because words are so powerful. And, um, and so... What does it make a blessing powerful? It's God's name you're using, and it's your words. Here's another thing that can make a blessing very powerful, is if the blessing includes God's word. Now, I had a boss that called me one day, and he was um, away, and he was seeking the Lord. And here's what he called me early in the morning, and he got me on the phone, and here's what he said to me. He said, Ken Pierpont, he said, I was up, and I was reading my Bible this morning, and I read the last words of David. Have you read the last words of David? And I said, well, yes, I have. You know, because it's like I read the whole Bible. 
but I can't tell you what they are, you know, exactly. And he goes, well, when I read the last words of David, you came to my mind. And here's what he said. The last words of David were something like this. David was saying, a leader, a, a leader of God's people is like the sun who rises faithfully every morning and shines on the people, and he's like the dew on the grass that gives life to people. That's what a faithful leader is like. That's what the guy says to me. When I read that, I thought of you. Can you imagine how that made me feel? Like, wow. You know, you, you know, he said, so you know what I did when he said that? He said, you know, you get up early every morning. You're a blessing to people. You always have a bright countenance. I, I just wanted to call you and tell you that this morning. He used God's word. And I took my Bible and I opened it up and I put a marker in my Bible. And if you go to that Bible today, that marker hasn't moved. Because that was a blessing using God's word. So if you want to really be a help to people, bless them with your words, God's name, God's word. That's powerful. That's what Moses said. We want to have a strong nation. They're going to have to have a lot of good words go over them. They got to have blessings. So again, again, it's simple to bless somebody. Just kind of imagine God's best for them in the future. You say, wait a minute. You're saying if somebody says something bad about me or to me, I'm supposed to say something good about them or to them? No, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He's the one who said that. You don't have to obey me. I'm just me. It just don't call yourself a follower of Jesus if you're not willing to do that because you're not. You're just a, you're just a Bible-toting uh, kind of um, imposter, right? <laughs> you're an imposter unless you, do, you know, what if Jesus said, hey, did you read my book? Yeah. Did you read the Sermon on the Mount part? Yeah. Did you, when people said something bad about you, did you say something good about them or to them? A guy hurt me one time. It wasn't right. I mean, he really did wrong. It wasn't right. And it would burn me up, you know. I thought about it. It burned up my family. This was a long time ago and far away. But it's, I just thought about this guy, and I'm like, mm. And everybody saw it happen. They knew what he did to me. And everybody would come around me, and they would go, so what do you think about so-and-so? They kind of <laughs> they would kind of goad me, you know. I was prepared for this. Um, I could use a bad example, but I'd really rather use myself as a good example. It's more fun. Um, uh, but, but in this particular case, I remember thinking I had talking points that were built up for this guy that hurt me, two things. Number one, I, if anybody would ever say anything to me about him, I would always say, I will tell you this one thing about that man. His kids are outstanding kids, and they really love him. And they, and they were, and they are. I mean, they're just great kids who love their dad. And I said, and he's an incredibly gifted guy, organized, and he, he did hurt me. And I would just kind of go to the Lord, and I'd have to wrestle with that for a long time and say, God, bless him, and, you know, don't, don't lay this into his charge kind of a thing. And, and, I, and I didn't even always want to do that in my heart, but I knew it was the right thing to do. So over and over again, I would say good things about him. He was hurting me, so I would say good things about him. Try it. It's, it somebody said it's like it neutralizes the poison of bitterness. In James, it says that, the poison, you know, like in, it says it in Romans 2, it's quoted from the Old Testament, the poison of asp is under their tongues. It's like with, with your tongue, you can actually poison somebody. But when you bless them, it's like you neutralize the poison, okay? So that's what Jesus said. That's the first thing you tell them, only you don't tell them that long because you're not a preacher. You're not allowed to talk that long without stopping. All right, the second thing Jesus said was what? When they bless, bless those who curse you, we're in Matthew 5, 44, and look what it says next. It says, do good to those who hate you. So the idea is when somebody hates you or they do something bad to you, 
you do something good to them. They do something bad to you. You do something good to them. Remember, do you remember um, Holy Joe the Tract? Some of you remember that, Holy Joe? As a little kid, I got this tract. My dad gave it to me, Holy Joe. And I remember just being fascinated, but it was a comic book tract. And I was fascinated because Joe, this G.I. Joe guy, got saved, and he's praying by his bunk. And so all the guys pelt him with their boots while he's praying. And they go to sleep drunk, right? And when they wake up in the morning, their boots are all sitting at the foot of their bed, shined. As a little kid, when I read that, that just rung true in my heart. I thought, that's beautiful. But how many times have you shined the shoes of the people who hurt you? How many times have you really done good to the people that hurt you? You say, wait a minute. You don't understand, Pastor, how badly I've been hurt, how difficult my circumstance was. What about a circumstance where a person has done something really vile and really wrong? Well, then you pray that you do good to them. One of the best things you can do, and we'll get to this, one of the best things you can do is forecast a good future for them. What would be the best thing to happen to them? What were you saying, Pastor? Yeah, get, amen. Right? Repent of your sins and get saved. Right? So I don't care how wicked they are. You, you, you're going to do good to them because why? Why? Faith, you were answering. Because Jesus said it. And because you're a follower of Jesus. And Faith had another answer, which I'm sure was right. Because God said so. Amen. amen. You, can you just see how clear this is, how simple it is? I, I uh, I just think this is so profound. But but here's the thing. We say we're Christians, but we don't do this stuff. (laughs) Right? Am I right? We're like card-carrying, Bible-toting Christians who don't do what Jesus said when it gets hard because it's so doggone hard to do. I want to tell you, I'm a pastor. I'm a professional, man. I've been a pastor for 35 years, saved over 50 years. I should have this thing down cold by now but when somebody says something bad about me the first thing i want to do is say something bad about them as a matter of fact i'm creative with my words i can think of all kinds of really cool things to say that would just be so fun sometimes even tell my loved ones i should say this and sometimes they'll say to me yeah and you could say this and that you ever do this is it just me you make me suffer and you kind of go back and forth i remember one time lois i uh I was, you and I were, I don't remember what it was, it was years ago, and we were living in Brandon, and we were disagreeing about something, and I was mowing the lawn, I went outside to mow the lawn while we were kind of disagreeing, and and I went outside to mow the lawn, and I thought, if I was going to say something to her, it would be this, but I'm not going to, because that wouldn't be good, you know, and if I was going to say something to her, it would be this, and oh, and I would say this, and I would say it like that, because how could she ever possibly argue with this, and I thought about all those things while she's mowing the lawn, and then I came inside, and the first time she looked at me, what did I do? Blah, 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 blah. I said everything I was thinking. It didn't work out very well, right? Have you ever done that? It's like, no, not me. Well, Chris, thank you. I'm glad you're here tonight. You and I, two guys. So, see what I'm saying? So, in other words, um, there's number one, and that is um, when someone curses you, bless them. By the way, my, my dad, he did this to me. Can I tell you real quick a blessing that my dad gave me? It's kind of personal here. It's personal with you guys. You, you are the fulfillment of a blessing my dad gave me. And I can't even tell you. Something my dad blessed me regularly. He was so good at this. But I'll give you an example of a blessing, which I'll never forget. 
he's out in the driveway and he's working on his car and he's kind of complaining away. It's like, oh man, you know, it's Universal Joint, I'm thinking a snowbank and oh, I got to go back and get another piece. I got the wrong, oh, this is a hassle. I'm a poor man. Now, if I had enough money, I wouldn't have to do this kind of thing. He's a little bit, you know, like, maybe not that bad, but you can tell it's kind of like, um, no, it wasn't fun, and he's working, and I was burdened for him, you know, and I'm giving him tools. No, not that one. Can you get the light on the work? No, no, this over here. Don't you understand this? You know, and then I, and then I said to him something like, um, I really ought to learn how to work on cars. You know what he said to me? That's what my dad told me. He said, Kenny, when you grow up, you're going to be a pastor, and you're going to pastor a lot of people. And there are going to be guys in your church that know how to work on cars. And they're going to see to it you always have a car that runs. And you're going to be a blessing to them. And I want to tell you something. In 35 years of ministry, that has happened to me over and over and over and over and over again. And so, Pastor, you're the same way, right? We get a call. Somebody's in a hospital. It's no burden for us to go. We're on our way, right? We just go because God is taking care of us. He's been good to us. And that was a blessing, right? He, 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 he gave me a vision of a good future that has come to pass. Over, I could give you more details on that, but I, but I won't. My son Kyle and I were chatting on the computer while we were watching a conference session today. And I just I sent him these notes and I said, do you remember me blessing you? And he immediately wrote back and he said, three things come to mind immediately. And I said, what are they? He said, well, first of all, he goes, you would always bless us when you wrote us those birthday letters. Every year you would write us a birthday letter, and it would always have a blessing in it with our name and with the God's name, with the scripture. He said, and second, I always remember when you would buy, you love to buy us Bibles and give us Bibles, or if we see you had a Bible we liked, and you could tell we liked it, you would a lot of times give it to us, then you would inscribe it, and you would bless us in the Bible. He said, but the thing I always remember is the way you prayed at night when you put us to bed. Whenever you would pray, when you would put us to bed, you would say the same thing over and over again. And it was a blessing. I hadn't really thought of it so much that was true. Because when I put my kids in bed at night, I would always either kneel or, pr- or stand by the door if I prayed, or they would come and <laughs> pray with us while we're in bed, and then they go get in bed. When they were little, I would say, Lord, help them to love you with all their hearts and to walk with you all the days of their life and to never turn aside from you. Well, that's the best blessing, right? Love the Lord with all your heart. Walk with him all the days of your life. Never turn aside. It's a blessing, right? And people remember when you bless them. And, they, and they're lo- longing for blessing and they're hungry for blessing. And so those are just uh, a few examples. Now, we've got to k- kind of keep moving here. The second, then, is to do good to those who hate you. So when somebody does something bad to you, you find something good you can do to them. Now, you understand, sometimes somebody says something bad to you, and they're an enemy, you really can't even speak back to them right away. There's, but So you can talk about them. And often I notice that people, when they know that you're hurt with somebody, they will see if you will talk about them. And it is a great temptation to talk about them, right? So one of the best things to do is just say, I'm not going to, by the way, a little bird will take that to them, right? So try to remember, don't talk about them. You know, say something good to them or say something good. So if anything gets to them, it's something good you said, Right? That's, that's one. That's just practical, but it's what Jesus said. And then do good. Sometimes you can't do good. Sometimes you have to do good privately or secretly. Sometimes you can't even go do something good because they're hurt with you or they're offended. As much as, as lies within you, be at peace with all men. Sometimes you can't be at peace because they're so 
you know, or maybe there's a sexual abuse thing. It wouldn't be appropriate. You understand, but they hurt you. And how do you do good to them? In that case, that's the next point. But, but so if that person's hurt, have them go do something good. So when the man shot my boy's dog and killed my boy's dog because we didn't take good care of the dog, and when he shot and killed the dog, I had a memory of my dog getting hit by a car and how bitter I was and how painful it was. So I immediately said, let's do something good. And Lois says, well, we'll bake him some cookies, and you can take him over there. And so Kyle took the oatmeal cookies, the ones I didn't eat, and he put them on a plate and, you know, wrapped them up and went over to Mr. Rousseau and gave him the cookies. And why was that? Because Mr. Rousseau needed cookies? No, it's so my boy wouldn't be bitter against the man who shot his dog. Mr. Rousseau eventually came to know the Lord because of that. So what happens when you do what other people do and you just, you know, they say something bad, you say something bad back? That's not special. You haven't distinguished yourself as a follower of Jesus. Everybody does that. That's nothing. That's just crude. That's just ghetto. That's just gang warfare. That's savage behavior, right? So the second thing is if they... If they then, so they say something bad or harsh or mean, say something good or kind to them. If they do something bad, do something good to them or for them. But what if you can't? What if they despitefully use you and persecute you to say all manner of evil against you falsely? What if they go after you relentlessly? Then you pull out the bazooka of, of spiritual warfare and you shoot them with the prayer gun. Right? Here, pray for them. You go, okay, dude, that's it, man. You have messed with me once too many times. You are now at the top of my prayer list, man. You are going down. There is a target on your chest. I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to get other people praying for you. So somebody, and if you have been sexually hurt or physically abused, one of the things you can do, to the, or maybe there's somebody in your life that just has been a constant source of pain and hurt to you, constantly pray for them. Bless them to God with a positive outcome. Pastor, you were right on this. Pray for them to repent. That's what they need to do. Pray for their repentance and the restoration to God. That all of their sin, that which is so great and has harmed so many, including you, that all their sin would go over on Jesus, and that He would, there would be that Jesus' blood would cover all of their sin, and that God would be honored by that vile sinner having a place in heaven. And wouldn't God be honored by that? And you prayed for them. And so all around our world today are hurt people who have been sexually hurt, physically hurt, or they've been verbally hurt, and they are seriously hurt. And they are really wounded, and they are really bitter, and they're, they're like time bobs ready to go off. And they have to get on medications, and then sometimes they shoot people. just horrible. What would, it, what would if people just followed Jesus and did what Jesus said? How many of those people would no longer be dangerous to society? Well, they'd be, it'd be a powerful thing. Now, so pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, when they relentlessly and unyieldingly do bad things. And one final thing. Lois was talking one day, and she was just over there by her computer. And Lois doesn't say, hey, I'm a storyteller, but she is a storyteller, so she'll tell me stories every day. She doesn't know it. I'm a self-conscious storyteller. I'm like, hey, hey, let me tell you a story, you know. Fly me somewhere. Give me lots of money. I will tell stories for money. You know, that's what I, Lois is just like the, how she tells what happened during the daytime. And she has a natural instinct, whether she realizes it or not, you know, to kind of withhold that certain information to the end that makes the story more interesting, instead of just saying it right up front, you know. So one day she's sitting at her computer. I mentioned this to you before, but it's a powerful story. I want to tell you one more time. I think it's going to be very powerful for you tonight. She's sitting over at her computer, and she said her sister Linda said to her, um, Paula, what's Paula's last name? You can tell me, can't you? Frazier, yeah. Paula Frazier is a real Christian. 
And I go, well, that kind of made me listen. I'm like, what? What did you say that for? Here's what Lois said. Lois said her sister Linda, Linda's a basketball coach. And she has strong opinions like all the Hatton girls. And so she got it. You know, when you get into a fuss with somebody, it's hard to forgive. When you get into a sports fuss with somebody, it's really hard to get forgive, right? When you get into a sports fuss that involves your children, now we're really talking about a problem. So Paula and Linda got into a fuss, uh, a sports fuss, a sports fuss about their children. And they exchanged difficult words. And so that night, they went home and they both brewed on that. But the next time that Linda came back to church, Paula was waiting for her at the door. And Paula said, I had you on my mind. I'm paraphrasing a bit. You know, had you on my mind in the night, and I want to ask you to forgive me. I'm so sorry that we had those words. And Linda said, I forgave her. You got to know Linda. Linda said, don't worry about it, you know. She said, I forgave her. But then Linda said this. She said, but then after that, there was always something between us. Now, she's my sister-in-law, so I'm allowed to say that means she didn't really fully forgive her from her heart, right? I mean, there was just still something there. Well, then things took a tragic turn. A while later, and my sister-in-law, Linda, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she had to have treatments for breast cancer, and she was very, very sick. She has six kids and a busy husband. And, and Paula comes over, I think, like on a Tuesday night or whatever it was, and she brings her a full-course meal. And Linda said this. She said, Ken, she didn't bring a pizza. She brought a whole meal for the whole family. And the next week, on the same night, she came again, and she brought a whole meal for the whole family. And week after week after week, while she was sick, Paula brought Linda and her whole family a whole meal. And Linda said, Paula is a real Christian. She's a real Christian. And Jesus said, In the next verse, verse 45, if you want people to know you as sons of the Father in heaven, this is the way you will do because he makes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust alike. So my question to you is, are you really a Christian? Are you really a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you really do the things that Jesus said? And if not, can you think of somebody who's hurt you? And could you start this? Or is there somebody who's hurt that you know that you can help? Isn't this powerful? Isn't this powerful? You know, this is Jesus' teaching. I didn't cook this up. came right out of Matthew 5.44, one little verse of the power of Jesus' teaching. Somebody said, what is it they say? It's The, the problem with Christianity is that not that it has, it's been tried and found false, but it's been found <laughs> and not tried. So tonight when you pray... I hope that helps you. I know I've helped people, I think. I know I have helped their loved ones. And when I came back from up north and I sat down with that person, taught them that, and I said to them, will you do that? And they did, and it worked. And they're not bitter, you know. And otherwise, what happens is, um, you know, it scrambles our relationships up and hurts people. So there's my, there's my help to you tonight. I hope it was a blessing to you. I'm sure that it's true. It's the word of God. And as you pray tonight, I trust that you will pray for those who have been affected by the terrible tornadoes through the south. Um, We have reason to rejoice.
because of new life in our church, and I'm so grateful you 